Lord, hear our prayers. And so God, as we talk some stuff here, we pray that you would give us ears to hear what you would have for us to hear. For each one of us needs something different from you this morning as we've brought ourselves here to worship you, God. We just pray that you would speak and be in this place now, Lord Jesus. We thank you and we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Worship's good. Thank you, band. Judy and Erica, thank you so much uh, for sharing your story. You know, we're, we're in our second week of our, of our pro-life uh, series, and um, there's not many issues in, in, in the world that, that, in my opinion, according to what we believe in the Bible and the, what the culture believes, there's no issue, in my opinion, that is more clear-cut, disgusting in the sight of God than that of abortion. I honestly believe in my heart of heart that it is in things like abortion that sin is found perfect. Meaning that even Satan has begun to convince Christians to, to rationalize and to think that things like abortion are okay. And I promise you this, as a culture, we will never be able to grasp why things are wrong in our lives when we permit things like abortion to go on in our culture. I think of anti-slavery and, 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 the, and the movement of, of civil rights. I, I feel like those are things that really just God's heart delights in. And when he looks at abortion, it breaks his heart. But I want to say this. Every single person in this room is very messed up. Amen? Amen. Every single one of us, including me, we have our problems. We have our issues. And, and I'm heartbroken because we have a church we've not handled well this whole topic of abortion. And, and I'm not putting this on you per se, but there's people in our ranks of, of Christianity that have taken to beating up the wounded. Let me tell you something. If you're in here today and you have had an abortion, I'm glad you're here. Because what I'm about to preach is not condemnation at you, but I want you to know God loves you. Last week we heard from my friend Denise who started a ministry helping people who have that secret to share. She was told by a pastor because she had an abortion that God would never love her. That is from the pits of hell. Because God's grace and mercy is good enough for all of us. None of us are deserving of it. You're messed up. I'm messed up. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so Christians, stop beating up these women after they come out of the abortion clinics. Because they don't need someone else to kick them. Because they've got a life of emotional stress. They've got all kinds of relationship problems coming down their way. What they don't need is someone else beating them up. They need someone coming alongside of them and saying, Jesus loves you. Like a Judy Pitlick. Like a Greg Pitlick. Who don't just sit there and protest against pro-life. But they get in the ring with these girls. They say, keep your baby. And they don't just say, good for you and move on. They keep their babies and they come alongside these young women who have beautiful children who were created in the image of God, as Pastor John told us about last week. Church, it is not enough for us to put a post on Facebook and say this is wrong. We are called to action by God. The Bible tells us very clearly in Proverbs 31.8, 
that we are to be a voice for those who do not have one. And I can't think of a greater group of people that don't have a voice than the unborn child. I'm heart-wrenched the more I talk to women who have had abortions. I'm heart-wrenched to hear that if they just had someone to come alongside of them, someone to demonstrate love to them, to give them a little bit of hope, they would have kept their baby. Church, this is our holocaust. This is our issue that we're to tackle. There's a lot of other things out there in our culture, but church, we can't afford to lose this one. I hear Christians all the time justifying the theme of abortion to me, saying, well, what if a woman's raped? And a lot of you know my story. Even a rape child has a purpose. And if you didn't know, I'm the product of a rape. And God has a purpose for everything. And so when we pray or sing those words, take me deeper, take me where my feet will fail, I promise you, if we are asking God to do majestic things with us, He will do majestic things with us, but they are not easy. Amen? They're not easy. And it requires faith. In fact, you're going to be starving. You're going to be thirsting for God. And that's where it really comes into us being sustained on God because we can do nothing without God. But with God, we can do everything. So this morning, we're not here to beat up on people who've had abortions. We're here to take a stand, a stand alongside of them and a stand alongside of those those women that are thinking about it. Because this is not what God desires. When Jesus was encountered by a group of children, didn't he, after all, say, let the children come? Christians, don't buy into Satan's lie that this isn't your battle. Today's show did a terrible experiment where they took a little eight-year-old girl and they stuck her in, in a street corner and they had a man staged to come alongside of her and grab her by the arm. And the little girl was instructed to scream, this is not my daddy, somebody help me. This is not my daddy, somebody help me. And they filmed this experiment and not a person came to that little girl's aid. It tells us something about who we are. It says that when, when there's really big crises, our human nature really is to flight. It's not to fight. But I'm going to tell you, as men and women of God, we are called to action. When the early Christians were being persecuted in Rome, and Rome burnt to the ground, the Christians were the only people that didn't leave town. And the Christians didn't go around poking the burn victims. They were the ones that poured out love to the very people that hated them. The Bible tells us that the world will know who we are by the way that we love one another. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we are called to take a stand for these unborn children and we're to do so in love. Did you know the Bible says that when you speak in 1 Peter 4.11, it says when you speak, you should speak as if speaking the very words of God. As a believer, you are an ambassador for God. And the way that you treat people is a demonstration of God. And so church, we can't afford to botch this one anymore. We can no longer afford to simply be protesters. But we need to be pro-life, truly pro-life, sustaining believers. Let me share with you a story. This came out this, just this past week. I, I, there's a blog site that I read. And, and, and the story of Rebecca Reese a 24-year-old girl. Rebecca 
had no family. She was on her own. She had a a very not-so-good job. (laughs) And she was dating a man, and he was the only thing that she had in the world. She found out that she was pregnant with child. And neither of them were doing very well uh, according to the standards of of our world. They weren't doing well financially. They, They weren't making it. She felt very convicted about having this child, but her, fian- her boyfriend at the time said, we've, we've got to abort the kid. And after a long line of reasons why, kind of with a gun to her head, she went to Planned Parenthood. And as she was approaching, approaching the Planned Parenthood building, she saw outside three people. There was a lady and her husband and some other person that were standing there. And as she got closer, she had heard all the news reports about these crazy fanatical Christians that blow up buildings and and go after these abortion people. And she started thinking in her mind, as soon as I get close to this building, they're going to hurl comments at me. They're going to call me names. They're going to hurt me. And so she quickly walked by. But as she got closer to those protesters, she heard them saying things like, we will help you. Don't kill your baby. We'll, We'll adopt your baby. There is hope. There's a reason to live. And she went inside and began the process. She met with the receptionist. She talked to the people at the counter, and they said, we need you to sit here. We're going to run some tests, and it's going to be a long time. It'll probably be a couple hours. And so, as Rebecca shares the story, she says she sat in the waiting room, and every time someone came through the door, she would hear the protesters outside saying, there's hope. You don't have to do this. We will take care of your baby. We love you. We want to help you. And after an hour of listening to repeated just shouts coming from the parking lot, she finally decided that she was going to go and engage these protesters. I want to challenge you. What's a protester? A protester is somebody who stands in open rejection of something else. And what she thought on that day was she was going to encounter a protester. What's a sustainer? Well, the word sustainer comes from the word sustenance. And sustenance, when you look it up purely in the dictionary, the definition says this, that it's a life-bringing, a life-giving substance. And a sustainer is the one who brings that life-giving stuff. See, she thought she was going to encounter a protester, somebody who was simply standing against abortion. But what she was about to encounter was a God who would sustain her. What she was about to encounter was a Jesus who would save her and a spirit that would give her the strength to do what she's about to do. When she went out and engaged the protesters, they began to give her the message of the gospel, very similar to the message we heard last week. They began to talk to her about God created her and her baby in the image of God, that her child was knit together in in her womb, and how every person has a purpose in this life. And as she began to listen to these words, her heart began to change. Sherry was the name of the woman that was talking to her. And I have to believe that because of the way Sherry reacted, Sherry wasn't just a protester, but she was somebody that came alongside this young girl. Sherry said to her, listen to me, Rebecca. Jesus loves you. He can forgive you. He can heal you and keep this baby. If you keep this baby, I will adopt this baby. Her husband said, how are we going to do that? She says, I don't know. God will figure it out. And so that day, Rebecca gave her heart to Jesus and her baby to Sherry. Amen? This is is just a couple of months ago. This really happens. 
Can you imagine what it would have been like if Sherry had sat back and God, well, God's telling me to do this, but I don't know. Because what happens is, Rebecca decides to keep her baby. She's going to adopt it to Sherry. Rebecca, a young woman who had no family, who has now lost her boyfriend, the only thing she had, has now received a savior and a family that she always wanted. The church came around this young woman and they began to disciple her and she began to grow leaps and bounds. The way that the church reacted to this young woman wasn't to ridicule her, kick her, and call her names, but they came alongside of her and she, she began to grow in the Lord. And, and, and as time went on through this, this seven-month process, she grew closer to Jesus to the point where she told Sherry finally, I don't want to give you my baby, but I want you to be his grandma. And when they went to a sonogram, they came to a, a grave discovery that she wasn't just having one baby. <laughs> she was having twins. And so here you have this moment, and, and in the interview, Sherry tells this story that in the moment where she told her she would keep her baby, that she would adopt her child for her, she said she didn't know what God was going to do. She was in her upper 50s, maybe early 60s. She didn't know how she was going to take care of this baby. But the only thing she knew was that God was telling her in her heart to be willing to adopt this child. I feel like this is a very Abrahamic moment. (laughs) And so she said to the girl, Rebecca, I will adopt your child. And Rebecca saw that there was hope and came to know Jesus. And turns out that Sherry wasn't going to have to adopt the children after all but she did become their grandma two weeks ago. Rebecca is loving the Lord. She now has a job. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's what pro-life really is. Pro-life is not simply standing against something. Pro-life is getting your hands dirty and getting in the ring with people who are in the midst of some very heartfelt stuff. Amen? What a beautiful story of grace. What a beautiful story of understanding the sustenance of God. Both women said after being interviewed that they had no idea how God was going to take care of them, but they knew he would. And taking care of them, he is. You know, we all go through these circumstances in our lives. Maybe it's not abortion. Maybe for you it's cancer. Maybe it's alcoholism. Maybe it's an addiction to something. Maybe it's, I don't know what your issue is. But the mind and the heart of sin is the real issue. It's, it's not necessarily abortion. It's not necessarily whatever it is you have. But each one of us has a, a, a sustenance problem. Each one of us has an issue that we need to hand over to God. Maybe God's telling you to open your own business. And you're f- afraid because you just don't know how you're going to do it. If God has put that on your heart, you do it. Maybe some of you are fighting for relationships with your children and you just feel like giving up, but God has told you to hang in there. Keep on fighting. Maybe some of you are clinging to life because you're sick. And God has said, just keep on going. God will provide strength. He will provide sustenance. He will provide for you. When God works the most is when we make some of the most ridiculous faith decisions we could possibly make. Have you ever seen that happen? I promise you. God says he will show up for those. David, in our scripture passage today, in Psalm 55, is having one of these crisis moments in his life. 
reading the commentaries, I was trying to find out what the specific incident David was writing about was. But all it says is that David was in a very, very, very emotional and physical and and spiritual, uh, he was a train wreck. He was being attacked from all sides. And all the pressures of the world were mounting up on him. And he felt like he was going to lose. He felt like he was going to lose it. And then he he remembered that God would sustain him. And he wrote these words to us in Psalm 55, 16. It says this, But I call to God, and the Lord saves me. Evening uh, Evening and morning and noon I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. He ransoms me unharmed from the battles waged against me. And even though many oppose me, God who is enthroned forever will hear them and afflict them. Men who've never changed their ways and have no fear of God. My companion attacks his friends. He violates his covenant. His speech is smooth as butter, yet war is in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil, yet they are a drawn sword. Cast your cares on the Lord. And he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. If you have a heart to pursue God, and he's telling you to keep your baby, or he's telling you to take a ridiculous faith step, David is reminding us that in those moments in our lives, God will, without a doubt, he will show up for you. We have to understand that his will is perfect, And he doesn't always answer us the way we want him to. But I promise you this, God will answer. So stop being afraid. Church, it's time for us to truly stand for truth in the way that God wants us to stand for truth. It's time for us to speak up for those that don't have a voice. And I'm not just simply talking about being protesters, but I'm talking about us getting our hands dirty and getting into people's lives. If you're so appalled by abortion, then get in the ring. If you want to see the young people of this country come to know Jesus, get in the ring. If you love to see worship happening with God, get in the ring. God does not desire for us to sit back and be Monday morning quarterbacks. He wants us to be in the game for Him. Is this making sense to you, church? The way we do that is with grace, love, and mercy. We don't do that with a sword drawn, ready to attack. We do it with grace, love, and mercy. This morning I ask you this question. Are you truly pro-life, or do you just like to gripe about stuff? And I mean that with the most respect that I can mean it. Because there's a lot of us that just really love to gripe. But the time for talking is done. It's time for us to come alongside of people who are in need and to help them. We don't do this because this earns us some kind of special God points. We do this because we love God. As we said earlier, each one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're not doing this so that we can earn God's love, so that we can earn more of God's affection, because He loves us as much now as He's ever going to do this. But we do these things because we are told to. We do these things because the Word of God tells us that we, as the church, will be the vessel by which God will reveal Himself to men. And so, church, it's time for us to stand and to be loud for those that don't have a voice. I love what Billy Graham says. 
in this, this quote that talks about the God, the sustainer. Because God will sustain. He will give you the energy to do these things. He will protect you. He will go before you. But this quote from Billy Graham is priceless, and I want to leave you with this. He says, The will of God will never take you to places that the grace of God cannot sustain you. There's no circumstance in your life that is as grave as either ending your life or ending another life. Because God will help you get through. God will make a way. He will sustain and He will provide. So church, let us not just simply be protesters, but let us be life sustainers. And let's bring this message of life to people who need it. So Father, we love you and we thank you. We praise you for the story of hope that we heard through Young Lives today. We thank you for those ministries and for people like Judy and her husband. And I think of Karen and, and some of the other Meganises and people that are in that ministry, Lord Jesus. There's, there's plenty more. We thank you that they don't just choose to be a protester, but they choose to be a sustainer. And we thank you, God, that you sustain us. That regardless of what's going on in our lives, Lord, you will provide. We may have wants, Lord, but we will not have needs. Because you are a good God. And you will provide. And you will sustain us. So when we need faith, give us faith. When we need breath, give us air. When we need the words, give us the words. When we need rest, give us rest. But God, help us to stop turning a blind eye. Help us to be moved to action. Not the action that the world sees is right. The action that you have for us, God. Help us to be truly pro-life on the topic of abortion and on the topic of sin, period. We love you, God, and we thank you. Help us to overcome.